we've, we, we've done throughout the whole of 2014 is in between our series, normally we talk on a Sunday morning um, during, uh, through what we call series, so we'll take a topic or a subject and we'll talk maybe four to six weeks about it. Um, and then in between those series, uh, we have this ongoing series that we've been doing called Generation Essentials. And what Generation Essentials is, it's basically a, a series of talks about how to become a better uh, disciple of Jesus Christ. So we've talked about just the need for community gathering together in community. We've talked about how important worship is and what worship really is. We've talked about how important it is to tell your story to other people about what God has done in your life. We've also talked about finding the gifts and the talents that God has given us and how we can use that for, uh, for, for God's glory and use that um, in the church. We've talked about giving and, uh, and how uh, we are to uh, give of our lives unto God and make him Lord of our lives. And that includes every part of our life. And today we've got to what I call part number seven. And part number seven, uh, it really leads well into the Christmas story and uh, talking about Christmas in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but I call this the responsibility of the forerunner. The responsibility of the forerunner. Now, how many of you like the snow? You want to raise your hands? So about half of you. You're crazy people. I don't know why anybody would like snow. How many of you like to ski, like to go skiing? Okay, not as many. How many like to watch skiing on TV? Like no one because it's like the worst sport ever to watch on TV, right? I mean, it's like, like women's basketball. I mean, who watches that? You know what I mean? Like, come on. Uh, anyway, so, so, but in skiing, sorry, I hope I didn't offend anyone who plays women's basketball. Um, in, in, uh, in skiing, what you find is there's normally a competition and it's normally somebody in a, like a giant slalom going down a hill or maybe somebody on a snowboard and they're doing some flips and different stuff in a snowboard. Maybe someone's going down on a toboggan, like cool run-ins, because that's a really cool movie. That's like the best thing about like Winter Olympics was the cool run-ins. Um, but uh, maybe it's to go down on, it's on, a, uh, um, on a bobsleigh and uh, and then also like they do that like, cross country skiing and all that sort of stuff well what you don't see on tv before they actually go and compete there is one guy or one girl and they are called the forerunner and what they do is they actually ski or or go down on a bobsleigh and they go down on the track before anybody else goes and they clear the way and make sure that the track is okay for everybody else to go down on. And so if there's any bumps or if there's any uh, places where the snow isn't as good or it's too icy, then they will tell everybody about it and the officials will go and sort it out. But they are ones that go and clear and prepare the way for the competitors to come and ski down those slopes. Now, when we started Generation Church, which was uh, just be over four years ago, about five years ago, God started, just a little over five years ago, God started speaking to Raquel and myself, my wife, 
about starting a church in Hartford County. And one of the things I felt God kept saying to us, and I kept hearing God say, was that we are to be pioneers. We're to be pioneers. And if you go to our website, uh, you'll see on there, on the, on the first, uh, like who we are, there's a tab that says what we value. And there are values here at Generation Church. And the very first value that we have at Generation Church is this. It's that we are faith pioneers and safe and settling in is not in our vocabulary. We are faith pioneers, safe and settling in is not in our vocabulary. And I believe if you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, then you should be a pioneer of faith. Now, years and years ago, there was, in this country, there were people called pioneers. They would go out west and they would see, and they would go to places in this country where nobody else has gone before, and they would go and scout out the land. And they would see if it's okay to go and live there. And many died, many went through uh, difficult times. But if it wasn't for those pioneers, then the United States as we know it today would not exist. In fact, there were pioneers who left the wonderful, incredible country of the United Kingdom, and they came over to this country not sure why, but they did it anyway. And they were pioneers. They were people who were what we call forerunners. And they were forerunners of this country for this country that we live in today. And when it comes to being a believer or a disciple of Jesus Christ, I believe that we need to be a faith pioneer, meaning that sometimes we have to step out in faith and do things that other people have not done before. Now, I believe there's two types of people who believe in Jesus Christ. The first type of person who believes in Jesus Christ are people who actually just believe in Jesus and they practice Christianity. And what I mean by by those people, they are people who live moral lives. They go to church, maybe. They even volunteer at church. They may read their Bible from time to time. They also may actually pray from time to time as well. They say grace before dinner because that's what you do. And they bring up their children under what is called Judeo-Christian values, meaning just Christian values that, that, that we see or we maybe our parents brought us up in. They're the first type of people who are believers of Jesus Christ. The second type of people who are believers of Jesus Christ are people who actually make Jesus the Lord of their lives. They follow Jesus and they strive to become more like Jesus. These are the group of people that I believe that Jesus, when he came to this earth and he died on a cross, he actually died so that sinners, which we all once were, could become like these people. These people who make Jesus Lord of their lives. And they realize that they have a responsibility. And the responsibility is to be a pioneer. And what I mean by a pioneer is that they know they have a responsibility to prepare the way for others to follow and experience Jesus. Did you know that people are watching you? People are watching you. I'm not talking about the government. I'm not talking about Big Brother. You know, I'm not talking about when you send an email. You know what? Actually, I haven't got this in my notes, but it was the creepiest thing ever the other day. I was on the phone to my mother in England. 
and she heard it and I heard it. And this will kind of freak you out a little. This voice came on saying, your, your, your phone call is now being recorded. Can you believe that? That's crazy. Anyway, that was just like, kind of, my mom was like, what was that? I'm like, shh, it was the government. Don't talk about like, you know. <laughs> but anyway, people are watching you. Whether you like it or not, Christians are watching you. But more importantly, people who do not profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they're watching you. They're looking at your life and they're wondering what's going on. And if they see God at work in your life, if they see that you start living the God-given purpose that God gave for your life, if they start seeing that you're showing what we call the fruit of the Spirit, meaning that you're walking in love and joy and peace and gentleness and patience and long-suffering and self-control, then people... They will watch you. They will be attracted to you. And they may even start to follow you. And this means if you aspire to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, which I hope if you are a believer of Jesus Christ, I hope that you aspire to be a disciple of Jesus. If you aspire to be a disciple of Jesus, then you have a responsibility to prepare the way And this is what I call the Christian forerunner. Over the next few weeks, in the next two weeks, we're going to talk about Christmas. And we're going to talk about when Jesus came to this earth as a little baby in swaddling cloths and he lay in a manger. And we're going to talk about the purpose of why Jesus came. We're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Many of you are going to go to different Christmas parties. You're going to break your budget, kill your credit cards because you're going to buy tons of gifts. You're going to stuff your bellies with too much food and you're going to have a great old time. And you're going to celebrate that the Christmas is coming. And we at Generation Church, we're going to celebrate that Christ came as a light to expel the darkness. However, before Jesus actually came, There was a man, his name was John. They called him John the Baptist. And he prepared the way in the region that Jesus came, called the region of Judea. And he prepared the way for Jesus to come. He was what is known as a forerunner. And he prepared men's hearts so that when Jesus came and men met Jesus, they would recognize Jesus as the Messiah And that they would follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So let's take a look at what the Bible says about this guy called John the Baptist. He was a little peculiar. He was a little strange. He probably would have done really well in the 1970s. But if you, because he's just, you've got to read the story about John. He's very strange. But if you want to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And it will be on the screen as well here. And In Luke chapter 1, there's two people. One person is called Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth. Zechariah and Elizabeth could not have children. And they tried for many years to have children, and they could not have children. They prayed to God, but nothing happened. Zechariah was actually a priest in the temple of God in, in the region of Judea. And one day, as Zechariah is doing his priestly duties, this is what happens. Luke chapter 1, 
and verse 8. It says, one day Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel says, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. Or some translation says he will be a forerunner for Jesus. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. So the angel comes and says to Zechariah, you're going to have a boy. And this boy is going to be a great man of God. He's going to be the one who is going to help turn people back to God. And so when Jesus comes, when they are introduced with Jesus, they will accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And the angel was right. This guy, John, was born and he became a very influential man. He became known as John the Baptist because he would take his followers and he would baptize them in the Jordan River, which was this dirty river in the area that he lived. And he would baptize them and he would say, when you are being baptized, you are repenting of your sin. You're dying to your old life and you're coming up to a new life. That is a life for God. And he had many different followers. Even Jesus' followers, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they were at one time followers of John the Baptist. However, John the Baptist knew one thing. He knew that his role, his purpose in life, was to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. And I believe as believers of Jesus Christ, That we are to do the same. For some, it will look very different to others how you are to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. For for some, it will be to actually speak the gospel. It will be maybe to preach or have a conversation with someone about the gospel of Jesus Christ. For others, it will be about singing and singing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. For for others, it may be about welcoming people into your home and being uh, hospitable in your home. For others, it may be looking after people's kids 
And when people can't cope with their kids anymore, you come and you take their kids and you look after their kids. But in the moment, you are preparing their hearts to meet Jesus. You know, in our church here at Generation Church, I think the two most important roles in this church is not being the worship leader. It's not being, sorry Ken, it's not being the kids director. It's not being the preacher. I think the two most important roles here at Generation Church are the greeters and the people who check in the kids. And this is why. Because they're preparing the way. When people come past those greeters, when people check their kids in, they are preparing the way for people to come in here on a Sunday morning and hear the words of God. To hear the songs that are sung. To hear uh, us actually talk about the word, the Bible, and what Jesus actually said. I believe those are the two important roles because they have the ability to prepare the way or restrict the way. I think if people see just the love in the hearts of people when they're greeted on a Sunday morning, it can open the coldest of hearts. So that the coldest of hearts can hear the words of Jesus. So today what I want us to do. I want us to take a look at how John the Baptist became this forerunner for Jesus. And what from his life that we can do. So that we can prepare. So that when people come to us we can prepare for them to meet Jesus. And we'll very quickly go along it this morning. But if you want to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. The Gospel of John chapter 1. The Gospel of John was written by a disciple of Jesus called John, not John the Baptist. But he talked about John the Baptist. And as John the Baptist became this influential man, and many people started to follow John the Baptist, this is what happened in John chapter 1, verse 19. It says, this was John's testimony. When the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, who are you? Who are you, John? He came right out and said, I am not the Messiah. I am not the Messiah. John was in a very influential position where many people believe that he could be the Messiah. And John flat out says, I am not the Messiah. Well then, who are you, they asked. Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet? We are expected. Again, they, they were asking, are you the Messiah? They were expecting this Messiah. And they were thinking it was John. And John said, no. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? These people asked. And John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah. I am a voice shouting in the wilderness. Clear the way. For the Lord's coming. John here he referenced another scripture that's in the Bible. And it's found in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3. And this is what it says in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3. It said listen. It's the voice of someone shouting. Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make straight a highway through the wasteland for our God. So we see here that John was sent with a specific purpose to be a forerunner for Jesus. 
And here we see three things in just these little scriptures that he referenced about what a forerunner is. And the first thing that we see a forerunner is, a forerunner is someone who shouts above the noise. Someone who shouts above the noise. Now John the Baptist, he literally went into the wilderness. He could have stayed in a nice city, in a nice house, but no, he was kind of strange. He grew his hair long. He ate like honey and locusts. And he was just very strange. And he wore this coat that was probably stunk like crazy. But anyway, that's what I said. He could have been in the 70s. And, but, so he went into the wilderness and he started to shout in the wilderness. Literally shout. He became the loudest voice in his day. And people stopped and listened to what John was saying. But you know, we live in a culture right now that is full of noise. You just have to put on your TV and you can see that there is every company out there that is trying to vie for your attention. Every network is trying to vie for your attention. Everybody is champing for everybody else's attention. So how can we shout above the noise? How can we stand out so that people will take notice of what God wants us to do? And I tell you how we do it. We become different. Not crazy, freaky kind of different, you know, like, like, whoa, stay away from those people kind of different. But we become different. And it's not by having the best music, even though I love music. It's not by having the best preaching, even though I love good preaching. It's not by having the best coffee bar out there, or the best tea out there. This tea is better than coffee. And it's not about having the best daycare either. You know why? Because Hollywood, the TED conferences, uh, Starbucks, Disney, they do it way better than us, and they will always do it way better than us. It's not trying to compete with them that we have to do. But we are to be different by going back to what the gospel is. And the gospel is a gospel of love and a gospel of grace. It's a gospel of truth. And if we showed real love to the people around us, if we showed God-type grace to those who hurt us, and if we walked and lived fully in the truth, then people, I guarantee will start to take notice. If you love as Jesus loved, if you have the grace that Jesus had, and if you spoke the truth that Jesus spoke, people will take notice. You know why? Because you will be different. You know, shouting the loudest isn't always the answer. Sometimes we need to change the frequency so that we can be heard. And living a Christ-centered life is a change in the frequency. It's a change from what our culture is currently doing. You know, this week I was reading an article online, and it was by this marketing expert, this marketing guru. And he said that there's three things that you must do if you're a company and you want to be heard in this noisy world. And this is what he said. Well, three things that you shouldn't do, I should say. And these are the three things that you shouldn't do. You shouldn't do what's expected. Nobody's going to take notice. You shouldn't maintain the status quo because nobody will take notice. 
And he says you shouldn't be evolutionary, but you should be revolutionary instead. And that's exactly when we're thinking about our lives and how we can tell others, those that we love, about Jesus Christ. So that one day when they may hear the message of Jesus, they may hear a song about Jesus, they may come to their knees because stuff is going on in their lives and you can tell them about Jesus. These are the sort of things that we need to do. We need to stand out from the crowd. You know, the Apostle Paul, he says that we are in this world We live in this world, but we're actually not of this world. And a forerunner is the one who stands out. And when we live a life where Jesus is first, we will stand out. Like John the Baptist, he was the one shouting in the wilderness. If you live a life that is Christ-centered, you will start to stand out. The second thing that we must do is... We're to shout above the noise, but we're also to clear the way. Clear the way. Isaiah says, listen, of the one shouting in the wilderness, who clears the way in the wilderness for the Lord. John the Baptist was a man who was known for clearing the way in the wilderness. It was a metaphor for helping to clear the hearts of men so that they could receive and accept Jesus Christ. Now, over 2000, sorry, 200 years ago, if you wanted to go from Maryland to California, you would have had a real difficult time. Firstly, it would have taken you a long, long time to do it. Secondly, your butt probably would have hurt because you would have been on horseback for all that time. That would have been painful. Thirdly, you may not have even survived because of the problems ahead. You may have not survived the wild animals. You may have not survived other tribes that were around. You may have not survived the mountains or the valleys or the deserts. But if you wanted to say, say, hey, let's take a road trip. Let's after church. Let's get in the car. Let's go to California. Let's get some nicer weather. It's going to take you a little while. It's probably going to take you 30 plus hours. You may have to stay overnight somewhere. But... You can get in your car, fill your car with gas, and depending on your car that you've got, you may have to fill up a few times. If it was my car, you probably have to fill up tons of times. But you're going to get there safe and sound. It's going to be a smooth, easy drive. You're going to be take, you'll, be, you'll be able to take the interstate all the way. You know why? Because there were men and women that went before us that prepared the way. They went into the unknown and they cleared the way. They cleared the forests and they cleared the fields and they cleared the prairies and they cleared uh, paths through the mountains and through the deserts so that we now can drive without a problem at all. And when you think about people in your life, People who do not know Jesus. People who are lost in this world and they have no hope in this world. Maybe it's that person who lives next to you or the person who's in the cubicle next to you at work. Maybe it's that family member, that brother, sister, mother, father. Maybe it's that son or daughter or that aunt or uncle or that friend that you've had for years. When you think about those people who may be a long way from God. What is stopping them from discovering Jesus? What in their lives need to be cleared away 
so that people can start to walk the path towards the gospel of Jesus. You know, when we started Generation Church, we went around and asked a lot of people who didn't go to church, why don't you go to church? And the number one overriding reason that we saw, there was lots of reasons, but the number one overriding reason was this, the church wants my money. That's what they said. I'm like, shock horror, right? The church wants my money. They don't care about me. They just care about my wallet and my bank balance. That's what we heard time and time and time again. So we made a choice when we started the church. And nobody else was doing it at the time. Well, we hadn't heard of anybody else doing it. But we made the choice. And there was two choices. We decided not to take up an offering at church. Even though you need money for a church to function, we decided, you know, we're just going to step out in faith. And if people want to give, they can give. But we're not going to have an offering where people feel forced they have to give. And the second thing is we're not going to pursue people to be full-time staff. There will be a day when this church where we will have to hire people full-time staff. Because as the church grows, you, you have to. But we decided in the beginning that we were not going to have full-time staff and everybody was going to be a volunteer. And you know what? It started giving us credibility. There were people who hadn't been in church for years who had never been to church. And when they started to hear that we were volunteers and that we didn't have an offering, they were just like, whoa, what's the difference with these people? And like, that's really, I would love to like go to that church and check that church out and see it. Because we were trying to clear the way so it wasn't difficult for people to come to church. And sometimes we have to remove the obstacles in people's lives so that they can find faith in Jesus. And there are certain things that you do. There are certain things that I do. And there are certain things as a church that we do that maybe are restricting people finding Jesus. And you know what a disciple is? A disciple is someone who understands what needs to be cleared so that there's a straight path for people to find Jesus. So a disciple of Jesus is someone who shouts above the noise. It is someone who clears the way. And finally, it is somebody who straightens out what is bent. Straightens out what is bent. Isaiah says, listen for the one shouting in the wilderness. Clear the way in the wilderness for the Lord. And make straight the highway in the wasteland for our God. John the Baptist made it easy for people dis- to discover Jesus. He didn't beat around the bush. He didn't make people go through a 12-week program or go on a long pilgrimage to discover themselves before they could meet Jesus. He made the path simple and straight. And unfortunately, over the years, the church has had what I call a lot of sacred cows. These are things that we think are gospel, they think they are godly, and they are things that God tells us that we must do, when in fact, they aren't. They're just traditions and myths that we've had in the church many years. We often make it difficult for people to find Jesus, when in fact, it is simple, it is easy, it is on complicated. And our role as a disciple is to bust those myths, to make it easy for people to find Jesus, to reveal the truth, and then work at showing people the true gospel of Jesus. This means that we're to be authentic and not fake. It means when people come into church, it's not like we shake the hand, we're like, hey, great to see you, nice to see you. And then they move on, they're like, whoa, what is that person wearing? You know? I mean, it's not like 
not being, not being fake with them. Being authentic. Being real with people. It means that we are to be compassionate and not sympathetic. Compassionate is someone who moves to action, to act, where sympathy is just feeling sorry for someone. It means that we're to be inclusive and not exclusive. We're not a club, as much as you guys would like us to be, you know, at times. We're not a club. You don't pay fees to get into our club. We are inclusive. All are welcome. No matter how sinful someone is, they are all welcome into this place because we are inclusive, not exclusive. It means that we are to let Jesus change people's hearts and we're not to force it ourselves. That's hard. That's hard for us Christians because we think, well, people must live this kind of way. They must do this and this and this to be a good Christian. But you know what we're doing? We're stopping the work of Jesus in their lives. We're to let Jesus change the hearts of people. It means that we are to introduce people to Jesus immediately and not wait for them to clean themselves up before we introduce them. We're to make the path easy and straight. Jesus once said, he said, my yoke is easy. His yoke was his teaching. His way to God, his interpretation of God. He said, my yoke is easy. He said, my burden is light. Meaning that we don't have to jump through a million hoops to find eternal life. Because it's all about what Jesus has done for us, not what we have done for him. We're to make straight what is bent. What gifts, talents, and opportunities does God give you each week to prepare the way for Jesus? Maybe it's loving on babies in the nursery. Maybe it's playing an instrument here in the band or singing in worship unto God. Maybe it's doing the sound or leading a small group. Maybe it's greeting people as they come in. Maybe it's helping to organize and doing some of the administrative stuff each week. But these are ways every single week that people at Generation Church are preparing the way for Jesus. Even people who clean the church are preparing the way for Jesus. What's amazing about John the Baptist is that he understood That there was one coming who was so much greater than he was. He knew that his main, his purpose in life was not to be the main attraction. It was not all about him. He was a very influential man who realized that he was just a servant for Jesus. And his role was that he was to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. And you know, if we all took that mindset on. And realize that we are leaders with responsibility. That is to be a pioneer. To prepare the way for others. Then you know what would happen? This church would explode with disciples and followers of Jesus. It would be overflowed with love. And this community around us would experience real life change. Because we would have prepared the way for them to meet Jesus.
And this Christmas time, there's no better way, no better time to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. It's one of the only times in the year when people actually think of the word Jesus. It's one of the only times where people actually are open to maybe coming to church and hearing the gospel of Jesus. Let us be people who will prepare the way so that when they hear the gospel of Jesus, they will receive it. And they will experience the life change that comes with it. Let's bow our heads in prayer.